what's going on everyone thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast i'm les and i'm mo and this is the les and mo show what's up guys before we jump into today's episode please be sure to like this video and subscribe to our youtube channel if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give our podcast a rating and a follow. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at The Less and Mo Show. Welcome back again, friends. This is episode five. How exciting is this? Something special about today and next week's episodes is we are on our honeymoon in Oahu. And we have been doing our best to investigate some stories to bring to you that come straight from here. So tune in next week for a very exciting episode that we have put together. But today, we are going to do something just a little bit different than what we've been doing before. Um, Mo and I have both picked out one conspiracy theory that we didn't tell each other about so he's got something and then i have something and then we also picked out a conspiracy theory together that we're going to talk about at the end so are you going to start us off here okay great i'll start it off so the main premise of my conspiracy theory is about reincarnation so it's a good topic So by definition, reincarnation means uh, the rebirth of a soul in a new body um, or basically um, a new version of something from the past. That's I'm just so fascinated by reincarnation anyways, just because it is amazing to think that maybe, you know, you lived one life and maybe your time ended abruptly. And so now your spirit is in this other life form if you will and you have a chance to complete your life cycle maybe yeah like very cool i think it's definitely possible i know it's against and um some religions to believe in it but uh there are a lot of claims and two mainly the two main ones i'm going to be talking about the first person is a little girl by the name of shanti davy what shanti have to say (laughs) so shanti Devi of delhi india was born in 1926 and she barely talked until she was about four years old Okay. when she started to speak she insisted that you know she lived with her husband and uh and uh, and a son in in a town called mathura so that's what she was claiming that she lived with a husband and a son and that she had died um 10 days after giving birth Wow. So she remembers this. Okay. That's disturbing. So um, eventually a teacher in Davy's school asked for her former husband's name and she replied, Pandit Kedarnath Chaube. I'm trying my best to pronounce all this <laughs> correct, guys. But so she that's the name she came up with, Pandit Kedarnath Chaube. And the teacher actually identified a man of this name in in Matura wow. and wrote him a letter. <laughs> so it's all checking out so far. And again, keep in mind, it's it's the 1920s. Yeah. They did not have the internet back then. So there's no way this kid, four years old or five years old at this time, would have known. Would have known. Yeah. There, there's no yellow books or whatever. <laughs> there's no internet. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, unsolved mysteries on TV talking about true crime and stuff how would you know any of that So after Xiaobi, you know, got the letter, um, he started talking to the teacher and he confirmed that his wife, Lugdi, died during childbirth nine years prior. 
So everything is checking out so far with this little girl and her claims. And when yeah. when Shelby traveled to meet Shanti, he introduced himself using his older brother's name. And Shanti immediately caught the bluff and she was like, no, you're my husband. Whoa, so, she called him out like that. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy, man. I mean, can you imagine as a third person in this situation you're being like probably so taken aback by all of that? And I want to know, did she meet the son? I couldn't that find she, that. She passed away after having. Oh I tr- my gosh. What if this? What if the? No, she had a son. So yeah, he would still probably be alive. Yeah. I mean, this is what ten years later after she died that this stuff is happening. So. Yeah. So she's about wow. ten years old at this point. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Ooh. wild. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy, man. Because this is all checking out. Like this is crazy at this yeah, point. Yeah, insane. Oh my so God. Okay. she caught the bluff. She was like, no, you're, you're my husband. So she would recall little details, um, of Lugdi's life. Like, you know, the person who had died and she would, um, tell her husband what his favorite food was. Oh and she would also like kind of recount that she used to take, um, you know, she would bathe in, in the courtyard oh. of their house where they lived. So she knew all the details. She knew all the details. And she also chastised Shelby for uh, remarrying, even though he had promised that he would never remarry. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, my God. Okay. So your first life is a love story. <laughs> you marry. You're like, oh, I love you so much. I could never remarry anybody else. Oh, my wife is dead. Now I'm going to go ahead and remarry. And then the yeah. wife freaking comes back. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine from the husband's point of view, though? Like, that is insane. Like, Yeah, he's staying in the doghouse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah. Well, your wife dies after giving birth. And mm-hmm. then you think she's gone. And then just like that, like 10 years later, yeah, this happens. I, that's back. insane, dude. That is insane for sure. Wow. So this is this next um, statement is the reason why this is one of the most um, popular cases. So Mahatma Gandhi was around at the time. So he eventually heard of the story mm-hmm. and he met with Davy and oh. he set up a committee of 15 people to basically evaluate her claims and make sure, um, you know, there is no fraud. And yeah. they basically could not debunk this. Wow. And Mahatma Gandhi stood and supported her claims. Um, so, you know, I mean, Mahatma Gandhi was iconic yeah he is till this day people bold truthful you know respectable leader and he's backing her that's pretty significant i would say that's intense goodness yeah yeah there's there are too many facts that line up with the story um especially for a little girl you know from age four to ten she yeah claims all this and it all checks out and so did it all end at age 10 then? Like it all just kind of slipped away? Well, I didn't put her whole life story in this, sure, you know, sure, but, but she she met the husband. I mean, it all checked out. Like, what yeah. do you do after that? Well, I mean, it's not like she's going to marry him again, but yeah. That's yeah, crazy. it all checked out and they, 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 they all the claims were correct. Yeah. So, I mean, after. Oh, yeah. go ahead. She, she ended up, she ended up passing away at the age Aww. of 61. So that's, you know, that's how her life ended. But that was about it. That was yeah. her story. I've heard of other cases of reincarnation where it might it was like a little kid, you know, but by age like six, seven, eight, nine, twelve, you know, in, in between those chunks of years that they just forget, it just fades away and it's just slowly at a time they remember less and less and less and then so th- that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 yeah. I mean, as they get older, the dreams start to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually the case with my next story, but. Oh. You know, with with uh, some of these reincarnation claims, the adults are normally the ones that claim something like crazy. Like, for example, there's this guy by the name of Billy Meyer mm-hmm. who claims to be reincarnated as like a prophet, one of the Palladian prophets. Palladian or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so he basically claims that he was a part of this ancient civilization and that he's been being visited by the Plagiarian, Plagiarian or the Pleiades, uh, yeah. or Plagiarians are from the Pleiades star cluster, yeah. basically aliens. That's why I said Pleiadians, I think. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> so I'm probably not pronouncing it right. Well, but. I don't know. Like, I just, yeah, remembered that name. So <laughs> he's been getting visits from these aliens. He actually, you know, built relationships with these aliens. Yeah. And um, 
like he knew this one alien that ended up dying but then he knew that alien's like grandchild or something like so he was connected with this family of these aliens from the star cluster yeah yeah so you know he claimed to be an ancient alien basically and then my next story though is the most popular one um a lot of cool theories and claims on this one that all checks out so his name was this is a little kid his name was james leininger he was born on april 10th 1998 so this is obviously yeah i think i've heard of this one more recent yeah than 1920 so um basically the first incident started occurring when he was about 22 months old in uh, february 2000 um and his father took him to the kavanaugh flight museum outside of dallas um that's where they were living at the time and James was fascinated by the planes and in particular by the World War II exhibit. And uh, they actually ended up leaving three hours later. So they were there for quite a long time. You know, what's weird with some of these cases, there's like a point in their life that like starts it, that kicks it yeah. off. Like for him, it was going to this museum. Like and a like, trigger. Like almost like that Raven Simone look. <laughs> like going That's back. That's so Raven. Are you serious like, right now? like the kid went into that zone where he just like kind (laughs) of went back in time and all this happened so oh my god (laughs) so that started yeah so he went to the museum they left and then within two months of the first trip james developed a habit of saying airplane crash on fire and he started slamming his toy planes nose first into the family's coffee table Dang. And he would repeat this all the time. That's so sketch. Can yeah. you imagine being that parent? And you're like, what the hell? Are What's you wrong with doing? you? Yeah. I'm going to go return you right now. <laughs> put it right back. Just put it right back. JK. <laughs> so, <laughs> so James's father would actually travel a lot for work. And whenever they would take him to the airport, he would say, daddy, airplane crash on fire. And this happened a lot. And his dad was like, obviously astonished. Like he had no idea. Yeah, there, his parents had mean? no idea what was going on. Yeah. So, you know, around this time is when James began to have nightmares. And this is what we had mentioned earlier that, you know, usually it's like nightmares is how they remember their memories or dreams. And his behavior during uh, these nightmares seemed to be, you know, they involved screams at first and then included words as well, like airplane crash on fire. (laughs) Little man can't get out. Oh, my God. So he was traumatized with these nightmares, obviously. So James would shout over and over again, kicking his legs up in the air and, you know, absolutely crazy with these nightmares. Well, if you're a kid and you're dreaming about planes crashing into the ground nose first, I imagine that is pretty terrifying. Oh, yeah. I think I've had... I've had airplane crash dreams yeah. before in my life. Or those falling dreams Or falling dreams down in dreams. General. Yeah, it's yes, not fun. Yes, I hate those. Yes. Yeah, you will definitely wake up like Petrified. a jump scare. Yeah. yeah. So after a few months of this, you know, he had several conversations with his parents about the dreams. Usually he was, you know, preparing to go to sleep, you know, when they would talk about it. So he indicated that there were memories of events from the past. He said his plane had crashed on fire and that it had been shot down by the Japanese. Two weeks after those statements, James said his plane was a Corsair, which was a fighter plane that was developed during World War II. And he talked about flying a Corsair several times. That's pretty crazy for yeah. a kid his age to know. know yeah. Especially for something, you know, in history, you would have to be. I mean, I learned about World War II in high school. I didn't know what kind of planes they were flying. Straight up. Like, yeah. I didn't know. Well, like, no. Like, oh, that's a bomber. That one's to refuel the other one. Dude, I don't like, know what kind of yeah, planes they were what? flying at all in no, World War II. No, I have II. no idea. That's so, crazy, though. How yeah. does he know this stuff? Yeah, how, how is he figuring this out? So, uh, on August 27, 2000, when James was about 20 month, 28 months old, excuse me, he told his parents he had flown his plane off a boat. So, when his parents asked him what the name of the boat was, he said Natoma. He said that specific-ass name? He said Natoma. What? So his father would search online for the word and eventually discover a description of the USS Natoma Bay. Ooh, so yeah, and Natoma Bay was basically an escort um, escort carrier station in the Pacific during World War II. So he got that correct mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. What else does he know? This little so genius. His, like, his parents would ask him, you know, like, 
I mean, I would do the same thing. They would ask him like, "Hey, do you do you remember any names? Like, what do you remember?" Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he would say that he remembered only him himself. He would say me quotes mm-hmm. uh you know me or james the first third person or whatever he, well it's he just remembers him being himself and he's yeah. james in his dream okay or his nightmare so huh. a few weeks after james gave the word natoma his parents asked if he could remember anyone else who was with the little man and james responded with another name jack larson wow so, okay now he's kind of remembering people like how the little girl yeah um, in India, you know, um, Davy, uh, Shanti Davy was remembering. So, do we know who Jack Lar- mm-hmm. Jack Larson? Yeah, Jack Larson is. So, one day when James was just over two and a half uh, years old, his father was looking through a book he was uh, planning to give his own father as a gift for Christmas, and the book was called uh, "The Battle uh, for Iwo Jima, nineteen forty-five. Um, and his father, I mean. Uh, his father reports that James pointed at a picture showing an aerial view of the Battle of the Island where Mount Suribachi, uh, a dormant volcano, basically. And he said that that's where my plane was shot down. And he Wait said, a second. Yeah, he said his father responded, what? And James responded, my airplane got shot down there, daddy. Okay, so hold on. Time out. I have a idea question thing right now. <laughs> so... James's dad was going to give his dad mm-hmm. this book about Iwo Jima. 1945, yeah. So do we know if his dad is some kind of history buff that has those kind of books around and James, little Jamesy boy, just happened to see them all I the time know. or pull them off the shelves and Matilda put them... You well, know, I don't know. I don't know that part, but I mean, he saw his dad reading this book and, and he, he pointed he, out that... He probably remembered the volcano from his dreams. That's and he was crazy. like maybe he had a, a a scene in his dream where he was flying over the volcano and the yeah. picture in the book looked similar and he was like, Hey, that's that's where I got shot down. Wow, that's nuts. Okay. What so, else does this kid know? Is that it or is he know more? Yeah. So a week after that, James's father talked to a veteran from Natoma Bay who remembered a pilot named Jack Larson. He said Larson flew off one day and never returned. So no one knew what happened to him. Mm-hmm. So that was the actually that was actually the end of Jack Larson. They wow. They didn't know more of him. So a month after that, his father, James's father, went to uh, his first Natoma Bay reunion, and he learned about Jack Larson, <clears throat> and he learned that Jack Larson had actually survived the war, um, and then he also learned about a 21-year-old pilot. Um, that was lost during the Battle of Iwo Jima, and his name was James M. Huston Jr. Hmm. And what's crazy about his name is that James, the little kid, whenever he would do draw draw his plane crash, you know, on paper, or whatever, mm-hmm. he would sign his signature, and every time he would do his signature, it would say James Three, like and James the Third, like James the Third. Oh my God! Almost knowing that. James that James M. Huston was him, but he was a second or junior. And then he and was the, the third. third. Wow. That is crazy. How's this little guy know all this stuff? It's it's absolutely insane. I mean it makes no sense. I don't know how he would know all of this mm-hmm. unless he was reading books or surfing the internet. Yeah, right. <laughs> at right. a young age, but No. <laughs> but again, not a lot of people knew about who James M. Huston Jr. was. Like it's yeah. not like he would just or Jack Larson. That so. is crazy. It's not like they were big famous names, you know, yeah, like yeah, in the like, war. You know, they're not heroes or they're heroes, don't get me wrong, but Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, a prominent character like where you yeah, would know. Thank you. Yeah, so after the reunion, James's father would turn his focus on Huston, and he made a website looking for information, and he learned that Huston did not actually die on Iwo Jima itself. Instead, as the battle continued after the initial assault, he was one of eight pilots from the ship who took part in a strike against transport vessels in a harbor on nearby Chichijima. As the Japanese were, you know, they were preparing for a buildup of troop replacements and supplies. So his his plane appeared to crash exactly as James had described by that volcano. That's so How did... those are his memories. These are the, yeah. the claims that he had. And a lot of it, as I mentioned earlier, checked out. 
Um, but as James, the little kid, got older, um, the dream started to fade away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he started living his second life, I guess. His adult life. Of his his adult life. life. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, a lot, a lot of these cases, you know, the main ones that are popular are usually kids. And yeah, then as course. they get older, they'll start forgetting because their own memories are coming into play and they're new they're holding new memories and they have to make room for that and their little their little brains yeah and i always go back to the definition of reincarnation is basically Mm -hmm. the rebirth of a soul in a new body or um basically a beginning of something a new version of something from the past like i always say like history always repeats itself man like um the 90s have been reincarnated apparently i mean it's with everything with like fashion yeah songs music right everything history repeats itself it does and i think it could repeat itself with reincarnation through like souls transferring into new bodies or this is just all simulation theory this is all part of the simulation theory yeah, it's just like a kidding. video game where you just yeah. start a new start character. Start a new character, get rid of the old one, start a new character. With the simulation yeah. theory, yo, this is something funny as hell. I was listening to the other day. Have you ever seen your neighbors bringing in the groceries? Yes. And we you have? at our old apartment. We saw people carrying their groceries in all the time. Damn, you're right. Yeah. Well, Not our point these guys was, here where we live now. Yeah, well, now that we're kind of in a a house it's a little yeah. bit different everybody has but my point was here. that like you only focus on things that you want to focus on yeah like you don't want to see your neighbors bringing in the groceries yeah i don't care about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i care about you guys but not watching you bring your groceries in but yeah all of that is so interesting like just reincarnation could it be true could it not be true like does it happen to everybody we just don't remember have, have you ever had Something happened in your life where you thought maybe you were reincarnated? Well, no. Have you ever had dreams of, like, no? Not being reincarnated. Like, no, not like that. Like, I have dreams that I'm other, I'm doing other things, like myself, but in, like, a zombie apocalypse or, like, yeah. random shit. You know what I mean? Like, not, I don't feel like I was ever somebody before this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that. <clears throat> but who's to say that's not you know something you know yeah i mean i feel like sometimes in your own family you could have someone that looks almost exactly like someone but that's not i guess it's not reincarnation unless they have like similar traits or something but yeah i don't know have you seen i don't know it's totally off topic but have you seen that picture of nicholas cage and the old, old, old time picture oh, of the yeah, man yeah, that yeah. looks like him. Like, is he reincarnated all these years later? Like, Yeah, there's even, there's a lot of pictures of some celebrities yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah, I know. That one just cracks me up the most. But, yeah, so let's talk about mine now. Let's see. I feel a little underprepared, FYI, because mine is super short compared to Moe's. Like, there are several conspiracy theories surrounding the story but i'm only going to talk about the main two so basically have you ever heard of pan am flight 103 no okay so if you haven't heard of it pan am flight 103 was basically this flight that was scheduled from um heathrow airport in london to new york's jfk airport and Excuse me, sorry. This happened on December 21st, 1988. And this was the third flight that was going on this route for the day. So everything was, you know, running smoothly at the airports and there was no issues. But less than 40 minutes into this flight, it exploded. What? Just blew up in the middle of the air, okay? And it killed. It was a 747, a Boeing 747. So it had a lot of passengers on it, a total of 259 people, in fact, and they all died, of course, but oh my they were over Scotland when this happened, okay, and it was um, Lock- Lockerbie, Scotland, and 11 people on the ground were killed by debris and stuff also. So that's, yeah, that's a lot of people. That's 271 people right there. What are the chances of you dying with 
airplane debris falling on you. Yeah, no, That's I mean crazy. it's not a big. Po- it's not usually a big percentage. Chance, yeah. yeah, you know. But anyways, so this happened, and people obviously wanted to know what the hell was going on, especially there, since there was 190 Americans on board. They wanted to know, like, why did this plane even explode? So this is what the FBI says happened. Um, the FBI basically said they went to this crash site and they collected all this debris and all this evidence and all these pieces of things and they started putting stuff back together so they could try to form, you know, a scene, right, of what happened. And they find this one piece of luggage all right it was like a briefcase if you will and it had a radio inside of it but the radio was a bomb okay Mm. so they know then that this flight is intentionally blown up right so they're trying to figure out like well why why would somebody do this you know and they're thinking it's terrorism of course Mm -hmm. like what else do you think you know terrorists have an act for doing this sort of thing with flights, so why not? Well, I mean, at this point, they found a bomb. It had to be yeah, a terrorist. Thing. Yeah, I mean. so basically, this was literally, like, this was the worst um, lethal act of terrorism up until 9-11, until 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. So this was the worst that they had seen. Um, but they decided, you know, to start looking into this more and trying to find out who was involved in this and it the evidence kind of led them to these two Libyan men um who were intelligence operatives and they ended up charging them they went to court this was a long drawn out wow. deal um it wasn't even until 2001 that these men that they found guilty were sentenced um one of them was released in 2009 but he died from cancer and the other one only survived like 3 years after that so the Libyan government formally um, accepted responsibility for the bombings and for what these wow. two, two men did. And they had to pay $3 billion across the board to the victims' families. So wow. that is what they say happened. But a lot of people don't believe that that's... These two men, yes, were responsible for They were this. Libyan operatives. Yes, they were Libyan operatives. But did the operatives. luggage belong to them? For yes. sure? Okay. But here's the thing. Here's where the conspiracy theories kind of come in, okay? So, at the time, there was rumors of the CIA in the United States having these air airline routes where they had set up drug smuggling, operations to get Mm -hmm. drugs to the u.s okay so this was supposedly one of the routes that the cia had set up with syria and their drug cartels right to get cocaine weed all that stuff over to the u.s so here's where the um libyan men come in okay Apparently, they are part of a coalition, like a gang of terrorists, if you will. And they found out about this drug smuggling operation and they wanted to, like, fuck it up. Right? They wanted to get some money, too. They wanted to steal their product and they wanted to blow up the evidence, basically. So, what they did is they found they had, you know, like spies or moles or whatever telling them which suitcases are what. And they took the suitcases of drugs and switched them with a suitcase oh. with a bomb. And they blew up the plane. So they had the drugs and yeah. So the CIA actually another part of this conspiracy theory is that the CIA knew that this was going to happen and they let it happen as a way to get out of the drug dealings with Syria. Wow. So, I don't know, you know, how much evidence there is on that. Like, obviously, this stuff has not been proven. That's why it's a conspiracy theory. But there's other conspiracy theories um, surrounding this as well. Like, 
at the time that this happened, the apartheid was going on in South Africa. And <clears throat> this former, like, UK diplomat, his name was Patrick Hazen Hazeldine, he basically said that they were responsible for it because we had sabotaged a um, Pan America flight as well. Hmm. And so they were doing this as like a way of retribution. So obviously that one like is far fetched and I'm, I'm not really going to dive into that one too much. There's also conspiracy theories of Russia being involved in actually nuking these planes wow. like hitting them with missiles yeah. or nuking them like i mean it's really weird because usually with airplanes um, yeah anything could go wrong usually like during takeoff you, and for it yeah. to blow up just randomly implode yeah and they say like it's like what the first 90 seconds or whatever a flight takes off like mm -hmm. i hate that we're even talking about this with a flight coming up well, <laughs> like, what the hell people fly all the time i know but... i know but yeah it just like what a trip you know for this flight and what sucks too is like all these people passed away so if any of this stuff is true people suck bro because they know that there's a ton of innocent people on here. about 300 people yeah, yeah man like why do you gotta do that why you guys gotta put innocent people's lives in the garbage because of shit like this like yeah i did not know about that crash i didn't even know yeah. that there was a conspiracy involved mm -hmm. with it that's terrible. It's definitely like worth really reading about the CIA drug smuggling part. Like there mm. is a lot of information out there, but to me, like the most important thing to tell you was like it was them working with Syria and they had this whole like hush hush operation. It was called Operation Korea also with a C. So I always get a little bit, my interest always gets really piqued when the government has an operation name for something. Like, why do you have an yeah. operation name if you're not doing anything? So <laughs> why do you, why are you naming it's, something it's, you're not doing? It's tactical. Like, so. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Mine, um, that was interesting. Real short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know about it. Yeah. I, I hadn't really known about it too much before finding it either. So what yeah. we're going to do now is jump into our last story for yes. this episode. And this is something that we both know about. Um, and that is the John Lang story. Yes. This one is pretty crazy, you guys. You're going to make a movie about it, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, this needs to be made into a movie. It needs to be talked about. Somebody needs to investigate this stuff because it did not get taken care of. And there are still some... Yeah. People on the loose. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that Mark Wahlberg movie where he's, he used to be a police officer, some Boston police officer, mm -hmm. and then he was um, sent to jail because he confronted like the chief oh. of police. Forgot the name of the movie. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to find out and watch that. We got to watch yeah. that again. So anyways, <laughs> John Lang, he was a former Marine in his 40s and he lived in Fresno, California. So that's the setting of this story. Yeah. Um, he was a well-known person around town, and he was popular um, in the activist community there. John was the kind of person who wanted to expose suspected corruption in the Fresno law enforcement and political systems. Um, he basically gained a lot of followers and likes on Facebook uh, for some of his comments towards the um, Fresno police. And, uh, on, and he was also posting on... Uh, Fresno B, a newspaper publication. Uh, so basically, what had happened was, I believe they that John one day caught some Fresno police officers running a scam. Yeah, and it wasn't just like it was over a a little chunk of time, like that he yeah, noticed this was over happening. a period of time. Yeah. yeah. So they were basically scanning license plates and and waiting for people and then pulling them over. Yes, they basically, John, okay, so John was already <clears throat> in, like, this really rough point in his life anyways, and he and his wife were, like, fighting and having problems and stuff, and he got pulled over after leaving a Home Depot, and he got, it was, like, two blocks after leaving the Home Depot, and he thought it was a little strange, but then he started noticing after that that it was happening again and again and again, but to other people. To other people, yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, the, the, the police are running these license plates and they were pulling these people over. They would, they would search the database, um, and mainly look for people with warrants or outstanding issues so they could, you know, have a reason for them to get pulled over. Um, so from there, you know, this keeps going on and this is when John really started getting the, putting the police on his radar, started researching more. And he started putting up cameras around his house because he, he was getting concerned that the Fresno police had kind of taken notice of him because he was speaking out. When on, he was like getting followed at that yeah. point, he thought he was getting followed. He didn't have proof at this point, but he just like got this feeling that he was being followed and there would be like a, a car that would follow him home, like, or not even go all the way to his house, but like turn off like a couple blocks from his house or what all, whatever. But this would happen consistently. So yeah. he noticed, he noticed the pickup truck that was following him around a lot. Yeah. And, uh, um, he would notice a pickup truck pull up in front of his house and kind of just stop, kind of glide through his street. So he put up, you know, these cameras up around his property yeah. to capture these, you know, occurrences. There is a lot of uh, video of footage of his, you know, his his cameras online. Well, like can... he would get like he would see these people that were in street clothes, plain clothes, you know, not these aren't cops that are walking around in their uniforms and yeah. stuff. But he would see these people and they would be like paying a little bit extra attention to just his house on this block. It's not like they were just you know, walking down the street, texting, listening to music, going for a jog. Like one of the guys was walking a dog, but he like stopped in front of John's house and was literally eyeing it up and down. Like there was another guy who just simply walked by it while there was a gardener and they like looked at each other real quick and the guy just kept walking. Like it would just weird stuff, right? So it's, it's absolutely weird. I mean, I'd be weirded out if one of my neighbors was doing that, but what John actually started doing was that, he actually made a YouTube channel and he started uploading these videos, these occurrences caught on a security system. And on, on these videos in the description, he would go into detail about what's going on in this video. So the first couple of videos were basically just of that pickup truck that had been following him around town. Um, and you can see this gray truck, um, a couple of times just drive through his street, slow down in front of his house and drive off. So and sketch. Yeah. And then in one of the videos, it actually pulls up to a street, slows down in front of his house, passes his house and then parks up to the side for a few seconds and then leaves. Um, and again, in, in the description of these videos, he's going into detail about what he thinks it is. And he thinks that was, you know, undercover, Fresno police trying to intimidate him. There's like incidences of like carpet cleaning vans that drive by and people get out and it's right in front of his house, right in front of his fence. There's other um, videos of him seeing people in a different van, not the carpet cleaning van, but a completely, it looks like a suburban soccer mom. It was crazy. Yeah. There was, there was a video of, this black minivan that pulls up right in front of his house. Yeah. Okay. And then the passenger, the the middle, the passenger door on a minivan, guys, that slides open. Yeah. Basically slides open the door right in front of his house. And this man in a top hat, <laughs> a tan top hat is recording his house, which what he described as a thermal imaging camera. Yeah. And I mean, looking at it, it's definitely a camera. It is some kind of camera. And if, sure. yo, if I saw anyone pull up to like the front of our house and do that dude yeah i would catch that license plate and so see what, sketchy. i mean that's that's really sketchy yeah well and while all this is going on and he's uploading these videos and he's talking about all of this to the fresno b to his followers he's <clears throat> tweeting at abc 30 action news which was his local news station right and the guy that he's tweeting at is his name is Corin Hoggard, and he's obviously a news anchor. But he said, Corin, you want some news? Corrupt Fresno cops are going to try to kill me this weekend, possibly tonight. This is no joke. Please follow up on my story, regardless of what version the cops and the Fresno Bee come up with. Please check out this link and this other link for his YouTube channel. So there were a couple more videos um, that he uploaded 
Now, there there was a video of a person walking his dog that walked mm-hmm. up to the fence. And he claimed that that person was trying to get John's dog accompanied, like, basically accustomed to his dog and his smell. Yeah. So, if he ever tries to break in, his dog wouldn't bark or whatnot. I think, is this, the, is this it right here? Because if so, I really want to walk or watch it really quick. I don't know. Okay. So, oh, here it is. I saw it. Conditioning. Yeah, it was um, Fresno LE conditioning my dog and neighbor's dogs at 1130 p.m. Yeah. Why are you walking? Why are you? I don't know. It could be coincidence. You know, maybe the dogs just smelled each other and the owner was like, you know, whatever. But that's so sketchy. The next video was of a man who was walking down the street on the same side as John's house and... Um, he was texting and then he eventually ended up stopping and looking at John's property, just kind of evaluating it and then walking past it, the cameras, the cameras following this guy. And then he goes a little bit down the street, literally like two houses over, gets into a car and then leaves. Wow. And the last two videos, I believe was one that you mentioned mm-hmm. was a a van basically like a cargo van that you would think for some sort of you know work maybe a painter's van or whatnot mm-hmm. that was parked in front of his house there was guys hanging outside of the the van yeah and we should talk about the cops that all yeah. show up too so then one of the videos this one is crazy there's literally in this video like six cop cars yeah hanging out outside of his house for no a reason. A bunch of cops definitely trying to intimidate him and definitely trying to get him like sketched out. And these like videos, most of them are at night, guys. Like some of them, yes, are in the like daytime and it can be seen clear as day that, you know, somebody is walking by. But a lot of the stuff is at nighttime. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, just I'm looking at one of the videos right here. And here it is. Look at all these cops. Yeah, he claimed that uh, cops would drive through his streets with the sirens on oh at like 2 or 3 a.m. to mess with him. Yeah. And then, yeah, this video of literally like six cop cars and a bunch of cops just hanging outside of his house for no right reason. Right across the street. Yep. <clears throat> it's so sketchy and it just gets worse from there, really. I yeah. mean, these videos and all this is going on. He's tweeting for literally for his life, guys. He tweeted at one point. He was like... Anybody in the area want to come and spend the night at my house? They, You have to be a registered gun owner, though. Like, who wants to be a, um, what did he say, like a protector or something like that? Because he knew that these guys were doing this. And again, from the beginning, it wasn't just him finding out about this police scam. It was also so much more than that. Like, he had a, he had a lot of opposition to the way Fresno was being run. There's a lot of corruption in Fresno anyways and their political system with law enforcement. So he had even, as petty as this is, he had even debated with the um, fire chief in Fresno about their budget mm-hmm. <laughs> to fight fires. Yeah, so, I don't know if people just didn't like this guy probably. I well, don't know. And That's he was weird. very vocal too to the point like he the Fresno Bee. It's a, it's a newspaper mm-hmm. publication. He would literally get on there and he had over 2,500 comments on their social media page and thousands of people liking his stuff and following what he had to say. But where were all those people when this all was happening? You know, like... Now, one of the videos actually that he posted was... Um, he claimed that somebody has tampered with his security system because yeah. there was about 20 minutes missing from the footage. Yes. And the next video is the craziest. So one day, his neighbor that he barely ever talks to invites him over for dinner. Two of his neighbors, right? So they go yeah. over to this guy's house. Johnny thinks it's weird. I mean, I've never talked to this guy, but, you know, why not? So he goes over to dinner and <clears throat> he... Catches the vibe right away. He's not feeling good. There's a weird vibe going around. And he decides that he wants to leave. Hmm. When he tells his neighbors that he wants to leave, they block his way. They block the door and prevent him from leaving the house. And hmm. at that point, Johnny obviously knows that something is up. Yep. He pushes past them, gets onto the street. And this is where his camera, his security camera records him walk into his house his neighbors are following behind him 
and Johnny lives in like a fenced out um, house. It has like a gate mm-hmm. that you have to use a key to get in. So they're trying to block him from getting into his own house, his yard. He pushes past them, and as he pushes past them and starts going up the stairs to his house, the neighbors yell his name. And Johnny claims that his neighbors yelling his name was a sign for whoever's inside his house that he's coming in. Wow. And that day, Johnny found that the lock to his main door was tampered with, as well as his computers. So somebody's now been in his home. Someone has now mapped out his home. And it's clear that this is intimidation. There is no denying that. If you have police officers just literally hanging out outside of your house that have never been there before, it's not part of their routine routes it's not their jurisdiction probably think about it it? from his point of view i mean he's seeing all this happen some random van pulls up with a thermal imaging camera it Mm -hmm. looks like a thermal imaging camera like i mean yeah it's not just any old camera his neighbors are acting weird these cops pulling up in front of his house he's being very vocal about a corrupt system about a corrupt system yes you know well okay so can we talk about what happens next though like with him like yeah, go ahead. after okay so after after all of this like crazy stuff started going down he had you know all these cameras and stuff and the day before his house caught on fire the cameras stopped working like there there's no footage okay the day before so his house catches on fire guys all right and There was already firefighters and police and paramedics down the street from where he lived because they were on a different call. And neighbors of John started trying to, like, flag them down and get them to come to the scene of this fire. And they can't get in. Yeah, he was barricaded in. Yeah, they can't get in his house, like, without a lot of effort. Yeah. So, basically, they get into his house and he is found on the floor with stab wounds in his back. Well, that's what the original autopsy was that that there was multiple stab wounds on the back, yeah, and in the front. That's that that was a yeah. cause of that was a cause of no no no. They don't he, know. They haven't decided. Asphyxiation was the cause of death. Asphyxiation or the stab wounds because he was still bleeding. Yeah. When they got into. But him. then what happened next? Go ahead. Well, yeah, so basically that <clears throat> happened and they ruled it a suicide. Well, well, hold hold up. So there was a second autopsy done with another. Yeah, so yes. And and during this autopsy, there was two police chi- uh, police officers or police chiefs. Oh, right. And, and during this autopsy. Yes. And they reverted or retracted all those comments about the stab wounds. Yeah. Like, hey, there was... Um, there was no stab wounds in the back. It was all in self-inflicted. It was yeah. only in the front and that he died, you know, of asphyxiation. I think yeah. That's what it's, yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, they, I don't know why they even, if they have that much power to go in there and intimidate the yeah. coroner too, why they even kept the fact that there was stab wounds. But, but yeah, that's the key point is that yeah. they retracted those comments of yeah stab. How, how the heck are you going to stab yourself in the back, bro? There's other cases of people like who have been in situations like that where they have stab marks in their back and they're dead and people are saying it's suicide. How the hell? Yeah, look, look. I you can't, can't, you can't stab do that. myself. I'd stab myself in the back of the neck if I tried. The like, main, the and that, and the thing with this case is that that's what it was left at. This guy was begging for help on social media. Yeah. He was posting on YouTube everything that he could do that, hey, this is going on. Yeah. Um. He was found dead. The first autopsy said that he was stabbed in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, you know, and then it was retracted like that is so and this shady. is all happening with a law enforcement agency and a political scene that are already corrupt. Yeah. And he's calling them out for it and holding them accountable for it. Fresno police at the time was known for being corrupt. Yes. I believe that their Still police chief issues. prior to the one they had at this time, they were they were caught for like drug dealing and stuff like that. They, so. Yeah, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this whole area and the inner workings of it so i think that he was the first person to really stand up provide facts 
to be vocal and they got intimidated by him. So they did what they could eliminated him. to eliminate him yeah. and the threat. Cause with all of the stuff that was going on that John was talking about, like these court or these corporations, these agencies were making extra money because of what they were doing. So they don't want to have to stop breaking in extra cash. And who knows if it was for, for profit of the officers or if it was just profit for the city, but either way, they don't want this cash cow scam that they have to be caught up, you know? So just absolutely ridiculous what happened. Well, what I was thinking is if if somebody wanted to commit suicide, why would they stab themselves in the stomach or in the back and, and then set yeah. the house on fire? Like two horrible, 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 horrible ways to die that most people that commit suicide do not choose to do. What? Like. And this guy's literally, <sighs> he literally was stating on his social media like, if something, oh yeah, I forgot, we forgot to mention this. The day of the van, uh, that that paint van was parked outside his house, mm-hmm. he made a status. He made a status saying that if something happens to me, remember this van. Yes. And then uh, I believe someone on a Facebook group, you know, Facebook is very strong mm-hmm. when it comes to things like this. So someone looked up the name of the business that was printed on the van and they've come about. You know, it was a fake, it was a fake business. It was phony. Yeah. So it wasn't even real. Another post, like we should talk about some of these posts too, like, cause it's right from him. He posted on Facebook. Um, just wanted to give you a heads up. If anything happens to me in the next day or two, it'll be the result of Fresno PD, my neighbor and an employee at my job, pay less breaks or pay less brakes and tires on Blackstone. And then someone commented and they said, wow, sending prayers of protection your way. God be with you. And he replied, thank you. I can, I can, I can imagine Fresno police approaching people and, and kind of turning them against him. Like, Hey, your neighbor's up to something. We need your help. Or just blackmailing them. You know, like they're police. They're going to intimidate anybody. They go up to any single person and be like, hey, you're going to do this for us or we're going to do this to you. And it's a scare tactic to get them to do what you want. Well, you know, that's going to bring us to an end here. There's a lot. (laughs) Let us know what you guys think about each of the stories. Reincarnation, uh, Pan Am. Yeah. Pan Am what? What Flight 103. Flight 103. And then Johnny Lang. Yes. Um, a lot of cool stories. I mean, yeah, there's so many conspiracy theories out there to cover. So much good stuff. If you like today's episode, like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a follow and a rating. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Less and Mo Show. The, the more you know, the, the less, less you fear. fear. So, so tune, tune in next week, right back, back here. here.